Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And on your screen right now is a logo from a game publisher that we haven't seen before in this space. Or if we have, it's been a long time. And that is the logo of Riot Games, the makers of the League of Legends series and League of Legends Netflix shows and League of Legends alternate games in various spaces, some of which are very good. I highly recommend The Ruined King. But we haven't seen them for a while because basically... Any of the complaints for pay discrimination and sexual harassment that were brought against them, that were discussed in articles, are either a couple of years old or went completely silent. That is, until late last night when Shannon Liao of the Washington Post broke that Riot Games has settled their 2018 California gender discrimination suit for $100 million, 80 million of which will go to women employees and contractors at Riot who worked there between 2014 And now, and there's a couple of important things that jumped out at me when I saw this break. Of course, I immediately thought about their lawsuit, California's lawsuit against Activision Blizzard that we have discussed now ad infinitum for 34, 35 videos and how it was impacted by the fact that the EEOC, the federal agency in charge of policing these kinds of claims, had brought their own settlement against Activision Blizzard, which was, as many pointed out, for an amount that some felt was too low. And that amount was $18 million. Now, the state of California tried to intervene in that case and tell the federal court that the EEOC should not be permitted to settle with Activision Blizzard for such a paltry amount and that it was hurting California's case. And one of the things I said in those videos and people asked me about when I was giving quotes or otherwise was how that was impacted by California's history with the Riot Games lawsuit. So in order to understand why I think this settlement is fundamentally important to what's happening at Activision Blizzard and the lawsuit that they're facing against the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, we have to understand what this Riot suit represents. So way back in 2018, before anybody was thinking about pandemics or lockdowns or anything else, we had an article in Kotaku entitled Inside the Culture of Sexism at Riot Games. And this article is a little bit unusual for what we've been talking about with respect to Activision Blizzard, where they have a California lawsuit. There's very specific claims of abuse and assault and things along those lines. This article takes a different tack. This is fundamentally about the fact that Riot Games was interested in hiring gamers into their employ. If we look at this entire article, one of the things that pops up again and again is that it's about them looking for gamers and finding women in many respects, at least according to this article, to be wanting in that regard. We also see here a quote that I highlighted with respect to how we're looking at Activision that says, it's like working at a giant fraternity. Of course, California famously called Activision Blizzard a frat culture in their lawsuit, and that became part of what people have been discussing. But in the Kotaku article here from 2018, they say at Riot, the fundamental values fueling its celebrated culture of core gamers and Riot devotees over the past decade may also be the root causes of an ingrained sexism that manifests in both blatant and subtle ways. We scroll a little bit further to get some more quotes from Riot's recruitment practices say we want passionate gamers who are talented professionals. Loving what you do is mandatory and you won't fully appreciate a gamer's perspective unless you are one. We're not looking for the feedback averse. You need conviction, passion, and horsepower to excel at Riot. Now, the interesting thing there is outside of all the rest of the context that we have from this and the lawsuit and everything else, that actually looks like a fairly good way to run a video game company. 
if you're not using it to perform sexist acts and otherwise, right? We want gamers to be making games. We want people invested in the product that we're making to make that product. And that's not terribly unusual for all kinds of industries, not limited to technology, software, or video games. In an interview with Variety published last week, again in 2018, Riot co-founder Mark Merrill explained, it is drilled into our employees that player focus is the thing we aspire to be our North Star. Again, nothing wrong with that. That's why we hire gamers and only gamers because the difference between a great decision and a terrible one is how it relates to players. In a statement sent to Kotaku, Riot said that to ensure our aspirational culture becomes a reality and isn't lost in translation, we must over-index on cultural reinforcement. A little bit of business school there, adding that we believe hiring gamers is critical to our success. In other words, they really want to control the culture at Riot, and they appear to have succeeded in that in a way that made a very popular game, which is a good thing if you're making games as a business rule, but also appears to have been undervaluing women, at least as described in Kentaku, and what we can take as implied by both the statements we're going to read from them and this $100 million settlement. But it is of a different kind than what we're seeing Activision Blizzard accused of. It has the notions that we see in part of the California lawsuit of systemic pay discrimination, hiring discrimination, those kinds of things. And it's there that California might well nail Activision Blizzard, although there are problems in their lawsuit, as we talked about in that very first episode of this playlist. But this isn't a discussion of Cosby Rooms. It isn't a discussion of the various things we've seen come out of those Activision Blizzard comments, which makes this Riot Games lawsuit something of a foundational floor for California, for the plaintiffs in this particular case, remembering that Riot is a couple of things. Riot is owned by Tencent. Tencent bought something like 90% of the company for $400 million in, I think, 2011, something like a decade ago, and then bought the rest of the company for some undisclosed amount after that. And so Tencent is at the heart of this particular lawsuit. I know a number of you feel very strongly about Tencent and Chinese ownership, but that's neither here nor there for this particular conversation. It does mean that Riot is a substantially smaller company in scope than Activision Blizzard. We're talking about a lot more people at Activision Blizzard. We're talking about a big market capitalization. We're talking about a public company. And so one of the things California is doing right here is saying, well, we think that this is worth at least $100 million, although they probably think it's worth more, as we'll see as we look at this story. Now, one of the other important parts of the riot case is that it wasn't actually brought by the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. It wasn't brought by California or any of their other agencies. It was instead brought under California's very special rule called their Private Attorney General's Act. I'm not going to go through all the details here. They're unimportant, especially now facing a settlement. But I will say what this act does, it says any provision of this code that provides for a civil penalty, that's dollar bills, to be assessed and collected by the Labor and Workforce Development Agency or any of its departments. So if there's a provision of the labor code in California that would otherwise result in money, penalties, going to their labor agency, then as an alternative, that same amount may be recovered through a civil action brought by the aggrieved employees themselves. They have an act that says you can step in as someone that was actually affected by this stuff and pretend to be the state of California, pretend to be our labor agency in bringing a complaint under our labor code. It's very employee empowering, but it leads to circumstances where the state can disagree with what the employees are doing in a very public way, which we'll see as part of the story. Now, as part of this process, the aggrieved employee or representative gives written notice to the agency. They file $75 
And then the agency has the same kind of time frames that we saw with respect to charging documents, right? The agency shall notify the employer and the aggrieved employee or representative by certified mail that it does not intend to investigate the alleged violation within 60 calendar days of the postmark date of the notice received, and then they can go and pursue a civil action. That doesn't appear to have happened here. Certainly every reference that is made to Riot suggests that the Department of Fair Employment and Housing was investigating Riot at the time of all this, likely as a result, I would argue, of the Kotaku article itself. But then there's a further timing commitment that says, hey, if we don't bring a citation within 120 days, then the aggrieved employee may commence a civil action. That seems likely. What happened here is, however these time frames worked out in the moment in 2018, the state of California's agencies were not prepared to pursue a legal action or even issue a citation at that point in time. So the employees themselves had the right to seek a putative, a potential class action, which is what they did as a private step. Now that led us to January of 2020, where the Los Angeles Times reports, women suing Riot Games may deserve $400 million, not $10 million, state regulator says, in which two state agencies are taking the unusual step of trying to stop Riot Games from paying out $10 million to female employees as part of a settlement over a gender discrimination class action suit. The state thinks the women could be entitled to as much as $400 million instead. The agency, which launched its own investigation into the company in October of 2018, added that the non-monetary terms of the settlement seemed inadequate, writing that no enforceable changes to employment policies at a company alleged to be rife with sexism are part of the settlement. Apparently, it was only monetarily based. The state agency also criticized the underlying process that led to the settlement, noting that the plaintiff's lawyers did not engage in discovery to try to determine a fair dollar amount for their clients. That objection hinges on a specific California law. Thanks to the 2004 Private Attorneys General Act, employees and their lawyers are allowed to bring suit against employers for violating labor law, legally stepping into the shoes of an official state agency to bring the case. But as part of that power, the employees and their lawyers have to inform the state agency that they're bringing a suit and offer the state agency first dibs at pursuing the case itself. That's what we just saw. In the case of the riot suit, the DLSE, which is another agency we'll talk about in just a second, is claiming that the original notice for equal pay violations was misfiled and that the settlement clears Riot of any potential wrongdoing for unrelated violations over issues such as overtime and minimum wages. So the way this law works in California is you're supposed to tell the agencies itself what laws you think have been broken and you're going to file your charging document based on those kinds of things, which it appears is what happened, although that's clearly in dispute here as long as two or three years ago. But this argument, and you'll recognize this from the Activision Blizzard and EEOC complaint, says that while that might be the case, the settlement document itself would settle all claims that these women had against Riot. And that's an issue for these California agencies. You can understand why it's an issue for them. It's also tremendously unclear that they shouldn't be allowed to settle for everything because that's what Riot would want in any event. And so what you've got is a California law that presents itself as very employee empowering that can get into trouble if the agencies want more than the employees and the putative class action think is appropriate. So what happened here is they tried to settle for $10 million. The two California agencies swing in and say, oh, no, no, it could be $400 million. The court declines to approve the proposed settlement based on all this. It kind of goes dark. 
And I think you could go and you could look in the Los Angeles County cases and figure all of this out. I'm not going to do that for purposes of this video, both because it would be long and arduous and it's not really important now that the thing is facing a settlement, but it goes dark. It's not reported on in any place that I saw. And then things start happening from there. Right? We get things over this year. This is in August of 2021. DFEH files request for enforcement of court order compelling Riot to send notice to workers about their right to speak with the government. Agreements that attempt to bar individuals from filing a complaint or assisting in a DFEH case run afoul of the anti-retaliation and anti-interference provisions of the Fair Employment and Housing Act. They get this court order that says DFEH can go talk to these women, even though they're a part of this class action ostensibly, that hadn't been certified, as best I can tell, at the time. It says, pursuant to a court order, this notice is intended to inform current or former employees of contractors or Riot Games or related entities of their rights related to DFEH versus Riot, a state government gender discrimination and sexual harassment lawsuit, which they said has been filed. They point to this particular index, which doesn't have that filing, but we can take it on their word that they filed something in respect of this particular case. And you can talk to us about it. They file it again. You can talk to us about it. And they continue to have all these fights behind the scenes. Finally ending in October here with Riot Games getting the go-ahead to talk settlement. Women suing Riot Games, a unit of Tencent Holdings Limited for harassment and pay discrimination, got the go-ahead on Friday here in October after years of being blocked by the state of California to schedule settlement talks with the game maker in a Los Angeles court. DFEH had filed an emergency order with Los Angeles Superior Court in early September, seeking to block any settlement conferences, request for settlement approval or dismissal of the case until certain jurisdiction issues and discovery issues are resolved. So we now know this is DFEH's modus operandi, right? They have problems with all sorts of jurisdictional conflicts. They had problems with the federal EEOC. There's no doubt they had problems with what amounts to this kind of private attorney general act because they don't trust these particular class members or their lawyer to be getting what they think these women are owed. And depending on your point of view on that, that could be very justifiable. And in fact, with $100 million instead of 10, it certainly looks justifiable after the fact. Or if you're one of these plaintiffs or the plaintiff's lawyers, if we're being honest, and you get a $10 million settlement, which is a significant amount of money blocked by a state agency that maybe doesn't have an interest in the thing, that could be very, very annoying for you. But this whole state of affairs here, where the DFEH and the other California agency jump in to block these kinds of things, I think is an important piece of the puzzle for why they tried to block the EEOC settlement. In California courts, as the California governing body for these kinds of claims, and with perhaps limited precedent on how it should interact with the Private Attorney General's Act in California, you have a history of California jumping in and stopping a settlement they thought was unfair. And they tried to do it again with the EEOC. And the federal judge, as we talked about, said, what are you talking about? You don't have any interest in this whatsoever. Those women at Activision Blizzard can decide whether or not they want to be a part of that settlement in a way that as a putative class action, they might not have the option of doing in the riot case. So California appears to have used this precedent to try to jump in in a way that was unwarranted, but ultimately ending, as we saw late last night, with this $100 million settlement and, of course, a press release from the state of California that we will look at in just a second. Here's Shannon Liao at the Washington Post. League of Legends publisher Riot Games announced Monday that it is settling a 2018 gender-based discrimination class action suit with California state agencies and current and former women employees for $100 million. And this is the important part, right? This suit is going to be settled not just with the currently pending lawsuit from that putative class action, the private one, 
but with the California state agencies. A settlement on these kinds of terms is really only valuable to the company if they can wipe the slate clean, right? Tell me the number, says the company, that gets this slate wiped clean with everybody. It's no good for us to just settle one off with one of you and two of you and then have California swing back around and ask for $400 million. So once California intervenes, once the court allows that to happen, Riot was on a completely different set of footing to say, okay, we need to make sure that whatever settlement we agree to, it gets rid of all these claims against us. Uh, And some of you are going to come into the comments and say, well, that's just people buying off problems. But realistically, this is what the law can do. The law can say bad things happen. What are the penalties? What does redress look like? And we'll also see that there's injunctive relief as part of that, meaning that Riot is going to be forced to do some things as a part of this settlement. That is realistically what the law can do. It's a justice system, yes, but it can't fix the past. So at some point you have to say, what is the best thing we can ask for from these kinds of employers? And this appears to be pretty close to what that is in practice. The suit came after gaming news site Kotaku published an expose about a culture of sexism at Riot Games where female employees were asked in job interviews to be core gamers and League of Legends players. In the article, women said they were turned away for insufficiently satisfying those criteria during the hiring process. And this is accurate. This is what's so unusual about this particular complaint versus what we saw in Activision Blizzard. This, again, ostensibly is something that you're legally allowed to do. Hey, we want core gamers here. We want League of Legends players. It's really about the impact here. And the Washington Post sentence does a good job of summarizing a very long Kotaku article, which will, of course, be linked in the description of this video, but also a somewhat inaccurate job by suggesting that only women were asked that. In the article, women said they were turned away. Yes, that is in the article. But all of the quotes from Riot consist of asking that of everyone. The problem seems to have been, at least as described in that Kotaku article, that the question was a little bit more suspiciously raised against women than it was against men. They were more likely to believe that men in front of them were core gamers and League of Legends players and that they asked the question over and over and over again of women. And that's totally justifiable. That's something that you can say, hey, that justifies a complaint of sexual discrimination of this type. But in summary form, which I really don't blame the Washington Post for, it kind of loses some of the detail there. And again, for the most part, I I want game companies to consist of people that actually care about games. I don't want them to just be bean counters. I don't want them to go and follow the next monetization craze and say whatever is going to work for the financial folks in Silicon Valley or Wall Street is where I want to follow. I want people to be invested in what the gaming experience is, but it can go wrong. This is a great day for the women of Riot Games and for women at all video game and tech companies who deserve a workplace that is free of harassment and discrimination, said the plaintiff's counsel. We appreciate Riot's introspection and work since 2018 towards becoming a more diverse and inclusive company. And that was, in fact, part of what Riot was upset about when California intervened at the top of 2020. They said, ever since we had this investigation, we've tried to fix things. They thought they had some success and then California stopped them in any event. Riot agreed to settle in 2019 for 10 million. California intervened. We just talked about that. McCracken, one of the plaintiffs, is going to settle outside of that suit for an undisclosed figure. And Riot Games declined to comment on whether certain individual plaintiffs who had entered arbitration agreements with the company would receive part of the $80 million. In the settlement, Riot Games also agreed to certain workplace policy reforms. These include greater transparency around pay scales for job applicants, not relying on prior salary history to set employees' pay or assign job titles, and the creation of a pipeline for current or former temp agency contractors to apply to work for Riot Games. The publisher will also implement a policy requiring the presence of a woman or member of an underrepresented community on employment selection 
panel. So a bunch of interesting things here. I'm not entirely clear how a company cannot rely on prior salary history to set employees pay. Maybe that's incoming people that they're not gonna look at that number. Certainly if you've been paying somebody something and you wish to give them a raise, you have to reflect on the number that you were prior paying them. But I digress. We want to acknowledge, says Riot, that the timing of this announcement isn't ideal. The final details of the agreement came together quickly and we wanted you to hear about it from us directly rather than read about it in the news while on break. Why, why do you think it came together so quickly? I don't know, it's very unclear to me. Hmm, anyway, so they say it comes together quickly. It comes together late at night during the Christmas holiday break on the 27th where few people are gonna be able to respond to it inside the company at that point in time, certainly through social media they can now in the year 2021, soon to be 2022. But it is that kind of announcement that feels a little bit like a news dump. And the final details of the agreement coming together quickly, I sarcastically said as I pointed to the fact that the EEOC is no longer blocked, is an interesting piece of this puzzle as well. Right? State of California shouldn't be operating on the riot case with thoughts of the Activision case, but that's just not how real people work. It's not how political agencies work. And understand that what just happened with respect to their case against Activision Blizzard, they feel is going to be affected by the fact that these women at Activision Blizzard are going to be offered the ability to get $18 million collectively through that EEOC settlement. They objected to it because they think the EEOC is going to ask for broad settlements, which they are, and that those women are going to do that and they're going to lower the ability of California to pursue its claim against Activision Blizzard. So one of the things they wanted to do with this settlement, and we're speculating here as we do because I'm not sitting in the rooms in California, they wanted to get a number out. They wanted to get a big number out in front of the women at Activision Blizzard, which again, is $50 billion company compared to Riot's, let's call it a billion. I don't know what they're worth at this point. Certainly League of Legends is bigger, much bigger than it was 10 years ago. They might even be worth 10 billion, but they're lesser than Activision Blizzard at this point in time. And they want a number out there that they can talk to the women that say, hey, I'm thinking about settling with the EEOC. And they can say, sure, you could, you could settle with the EEOC. You could go get your 100 grand from the EEOC settlement, but... If, did you see what we did with Riot? And we had what much less on Riot, right? We don't know what's behind the scenes in discovering those kinds of things either. But as far as the Kotaku article goes, Riot looked like at least somewhat of an accidental bad actor, that they were pursuing gamers. They did it in the wrong way. Yes, they had frat bro culture. Yes, there are other things in that article that are bad, uh, but they don't, in my mind, and you can look at these two articles next to each other, rise to the level of what we've seen Activision Blizzard accused of and the Department of Fair Employment and Housing say, you see what we got from that article? That was $100 million. What do you think we can get from a company that's 50 times as big with much more damning evidence? Do you really want to settle that with the EEOC? So from a political perspective, and let's say that they didn't do this specifically for that reason. Let's just say it's just a happenstance. From a political perspective, this is very, very useful for the state of California against Activision Blizzard in their lawsuit. Riot Games also wrote a statement that they shared with the Washington Post. They said, three years ago, Riot was at the heart of what became a reckoning in our industry. We had to face the fact that despite our best intentions, we hadn't always lived up to our values. As a company, we stood at a crossroads. We could deny the shortcomings of our culture, or we could apologize, correct course, and build a better Riot. We chose the latter. While we're proud of how far we've come since 2018, we must also take responsibility for the past. We hope that this settlement properly acknowledges those who had negative experiences at Riot. So this is standard corporate messaging, but Riot, one, wants to be seen as a very important piece of this puzzle. Even if it's on the bad side of things, it was the heart of what became a reckoning in our industry 
says Wright, and was certainly one of the early, really, really big ones from this period in time. And then they want to differentiate themselves from how others might be treating these kinds of issues. We wanted to face up to what we had done, $100 million out the door, even though they had offered $10 million not two years ago, and were very upset that California intervened, and they want credit for getting this money out the door. Now, what does this settlement look like? What does the Department of Fair Employment and Housing have to say about all this? Well, they say that Riot Games engaged in systemic sex discrimination and harassment. Under the proposed consent decree, Riot will pay over $100 million to remedy violations against approximately 1,065 women employees and 1,300 women contract workers. The decree requires comprehensive injunctive relief in the form of workplace reforms, independent expert analysis of Riot's pay, hiring and promotion practices, and independent monitoring of sexual harassment and retaliation at Riot's California offices for three years. The decree will also resolve claims brought by the California Division of Labor Standards and Enforcement, that's that DLSE agency I was talking about, in the first case, jointly prosecuted by DFEH and DLSE. Primarily because the DLSE is not often doing this kind of stuff. According to their own webpage, it says the mission of the California Labor Commission's office is to ensure a just day's pay in every workplace in the state and to promote economic justice through robust enforcement of labor laws by combating wage theft, protecting workers from retaliation and educating the public. We put earned wages into workers' pockets and help level the playing field for law-abiding employers. And if you look at this page, what they mean by wage theft is primarily, as best I can tell, not a California attorney looking at this for the first time as part of this video, is things that we would otherwise describe as mischaracterization in other states in the country. And mischaracterization is when you say an independent contractor is an employee or vice versa as the point of the matter goes here. And they have this lawsuit against Uber and Lyft that says, hey, those people that you're framing as independent contractors where you don't owe benefits, you don't owe the same kind of amounts of money to the state or otherwise that you might otherwise owe to an employee, those are really employees. And you're stealing from them by mischaracterizing what they do. We didn't really see that same kind of level of complaint in the riot lawsuit or article in Kotaku. So they joined on with this as kind of a more generalist that all of these problems, hiring, pay discrimination, disparities, everything that was described therein rises to the level of the kind of things that the DLSE is responsible for. And they prosecuted it with the DFEH and Riot gets rid of all of that with this $100 million. In their quote, they say this historic agreement reflects California's commitment to strategic and effective government enforcement of the state's robust equal pay, anti-discrimination, and anti-harassment laws. This decree will compensate employees and contractors affected by sex discrimination and harassment, ensure lasting change in the workplace, and send the message that all industries in California, including the gaming industry, must provide equal pay in workplaces free from discrimination and harassment. Again, we see the gaming industry is a highlight point for the DFEH in the state of California right now. That's been clear from the Riot Investigation, Activision Blizzard, and more. DFEH notified Riot in October of 2018 of its director's complaint investigation. In November of 2018, former Riot employees filed a putative class action. Again, that's just proposed fancy lawyer speak in Los Angeles Superior Court with private counsel and entered a proposed $10 million settlement of that action soon after. In January 2020, both DFEH and DLSE objected to the proposed $10 million settlement. Both state entities then successfully intervened in the pending private action to protect the interests of the state 
and the women workers and ensure the fairness of the resolution of the claims. Today, the private plaintiff separately filed a motion for an order preliminarily approving class certification for settlement purposes. So as best I can tell, they hadn't actually certified their class during this entire process. And now they are certifying it as part of this settlement for $100 million. And again, if you want to look at this from the state of California's side, you could say, yeah, this was a plaintiff's counsel, uh, perhaps a law firm uh, that was acting quickly and just trying to get money out the door that was willing to settle this all for $10 million. And the state of California looked at that and said, that's ridiculous. That's just lawyers and maybe the lead plaintiffs trying to get paid out of all this. And it should be $400 million, as we saw. Now, it wound up at $100 million, But again, there's other factors in play. And one of those factors is a $50 billion public corporation in Activision Blizzard. My office, and this is the DLSE, determined that Riot's proposed initial PAGA, that's Private Attorney General Settlement, with private counsel was insufficient and did not adequately deter the company from violating women's right to equal pay for equal work. Under the Equal Pay Act, employers who pay women less than their male counterparts for substantially similar work are violating the law. And this is the largest PAGA settlement DLSE has obtained to date. This is the first case DFEH has litigated involving claims under the new Equal Pay Act, which the California legislature authorized DFEH to enforce starting January of 2021. And under the consent decree, Riot has agreed to pay $100 million, of which a minimum of $80 million is dedicated to compensating workers. And we don't get a lot of framework for what the other $20 million is for. Presumably lawyers? It's very often lawyers. I would guess lawyers. But it might come out that it's something different. This amount includes $4 million in penalties under the Private Attorney General Act, one of the largest such penalties assessed by the DLSE in its history. And here's the bullet point that I think really should combine this with the Activision Blizzard case for you all. Create a $6 million cash reserve for each year of the three-year term of this consent decree for a total of $18 million to make pay adjustments and to fund diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. If we go back to the EEOC settlement decree, we'll see a couple of things. One, we'll see a three-year control over Activision Blizzard using an EEO consultant, using internal auditors reporting to the EEO. And we'll see that the fund to be paid to those women is $18 million, a somewhat unusual sum. It's not 15, it's not 10, it's not 20, it's not anything that is based on a, a base 10 kind of system, $18 million. And the state of California in their settlement says, pay $100 million. Also, we want there to be a cash reserve of $18 million that goes to the same kinds of things that the EEOC negotiated, especially that this overage is to fund diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, presumably at the company itself. And California, in my mind, speculation, of course, clearly wants to say, we got you everything the EEOC would. We got you everything the EEOC would. And then we got you $100 million that this is what you go out to the women of Activision Blizzard with, is you don't want to settle with them. You don't want to create a problem for us. You want to come with us on our lawsuit because we got a much stronger case. We got a much bigger company and we're ready to go. And hey, if you wanted to settle for this 18 million, that's going to be there for you. We got everything that the EEOC could get and more. They also say they make available 40 full-time positions in engineer, quality assurance, or art design roles to qualified class members who worked as temporary contractors. So they have to move 40 temporary contractors into full-time positions. Hire and pay for an independent third-party expert approved by DFEH to conduct a gender equity analysis of employee pay, job assignments, and promotions each year for three years and remedy disparities that cannot be explained by bona fide legitimate reasons and then hire and pay for an independent third-party monitor approved by DFEH to audit compliance with workplace protections, including a review of complaint investigations and outcomes each year for three years. Now, this is a very short form 
But this is very similar to what the EEOC consent decree does as well. Same time frame, three years, same concept of reviewing the workplace protections and the complaint investigations, as well as how pay is distributed. There isn't a component of moving temporary contractors to full-time employees in that EEOC consent decree, I don't believe. And then the $18 million. And then they put on top of it $100 million, including the penalties under the Private Attorney General Act. So I look at all this and I say, yes, they got 10 times more than that class action was trying to settle for at the end of 2019 and early 2020. That certainly looks like a victory for the state of California. I would tend to agree. And it certainly seems like something that was worth they're interrupting the proposed settlement for. But that's a completely different circumstance than the federal agency acting under different jurisdiction than the state of California. That's why they got kicked out of federal court for the EEOC's proposed settlement. And then this coming together fast, very, very quickly after the court kicked out their EEOC complaint means that everything is about Activision Blizzard as far as I can see it. Riot, $100 million, those women getting paid is a great thing. The question becomes, would it have been a different amount? Would it have been a different lawsuit? Would it have been a different result entirely had the state of California not had a vested interest in making sure that the women at Activision Blizzard didn't settle with the EEOC for an amount that they can no longer stop? So congratulations to the women of Riot. Certainly, you're deserving of redress for every negative impact that you had to face while working at that company. But I do think it's informed politically and as a version of real politic that California settled this all when they did and how they did as an effort to keep Activision under fire. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy these conversations in the business and law of technology, software, video games, and more, please consider supporting the channel at Patreon or otherwise. We have other ways to support the channel listed below. If you'd just like to subscribe, tell your friends, upvotes, downvotes, everything else that you can do to share the conversations we're having helps us grow the channel. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.